Welcome to Council 4 Unplugged. This is the podcast of our Council 4 AFSCME Union in New Britain, Connecticut. We are proud to represent 30,000 women and men across the state of Connecticut. And we have an important show today about what's happening uh, throughout Connecticut's school systems in light of the continuing COVID-19 pandemic. As we all know, schools have been open now for a few weeks, and what we're seeing is that positive COVID-19 cases of students and school staff are popping up at dozens of schools across the state, and some of the schools have closed temporarily, some remain open, and just those who are in contact are being asked to quarantine. So um, a lot of confusion, it's understandable, a lot going on. But there is a coalition of unions that includes our Council 4 union, and we've developed 13 core principles for safely reopening schools that highlight anything from labor management meetings to having proper protective equipment to uh, having proper social distancing practices. And what we're finding across the state is that there uh, is a lack of protocol and procedures mandated from the state level, and that every district is uh, sort of on its own. um, And using a lot of leeway uh, to determine how they've been reopening. And so it's a big topic, big subject that we want to tackle. We have an exciting show. As I said, our guests are on the front lines. First, I want to introduce my co-host, Renee Hamill from Council 4. How are you doing, Renee? I'm doing great. Hi, everyone. And um, our guests are Tricia Santos, who is a staff representative here at Council 4. She advocates for many of our bargaining units, including Board of Education units. And Tricia also has a really cool perspective because she was a longtime paraprofessional in the town of Killingly and president of our former president, past president of our Killingly paraprofessional union. Uh, Our other guests are Stacy. Harris Birdsong. Stacy uh, is the executive secretary of Council 4, but her full-time job, she works for the Capital Region Education Council, a school coalition, and Stacy's the president of Local 194 of AFSCME, and they represent paraprofessionals, lead educators, oral interpreters, and others. And also with us today is Dan McGinley. Dan is a school custodian in the Putnam School System and a member of AFSCME Local 1303-87. Thank you all for being here today. Um, So Tricia, you serve on this coalition with other unions and you're meeting regularly with the education commissioner. Um, Tell us about that experience and what it's been like to work on this coalition and what are some of the challenges that you're seeing with each district um, handling things differently between uh, the districts? Well, thank you, Renee and Larry, for inviting me to be on the podcast today. Um, I am very fortunate to represent AFSCME at the table with other unions, uh, AFT, CEA, which represent a lot of our teachers. Um, I also meet with the head of all the superintendents is also there, along with our commissioner of education and his staff. So um, it's been a really wonderful experience to be able to sit at the table and to be able to talk to the commissioner about the importance, not just of teachers, but of all staff that work in school districts, especially our frontline staff that we represent, which are our paras, our custodians, our secretaries, and our bus drivers. So it's been a really great um, experience. And it's been great because having all the unions together, we're stronger as one than individuals. And Tricia, following up on that, what are the challenges that you see 
um, by each district handling things differently from another district. Well, Larry, it's very difficult when, especially for myself, and I'm just one of many staff reps here at Council 4, that I have 33 bargaining units, and all 33, I would say a good 10 of them are not following um, certain protocols that the governor has recommended to put in place. It's really hard to do, um, have the safety of our members and of students if districts are not being held accountable and being um, everything being fair across the board. Um, it's very difficult when you have towns that are even bordering each other and they're doing different things, um, whether it's not enough PPE, whether it's no protocols for wearing masks, if students do wear masks or they don't, um, simple things like who mans an isolation room. Uh, we've run into the gamut of everywhere. And I am just one of many of our dedicated staff reps at the council. Um, and we're just asking that doesn't even include what AFT sees and CEA sees also. Um, we're running into um, facts that, you know, members are being cut hours um, and they're not being compensated for it. So you have our frontline workers that are here in the trenches and they're with the students every day, whether they're mopping or they're one-to-one -one with the student and everything is fine and they're putting their lives and their families' lives and on the line and their livelihood is being cut short. And that's just not fair. You can't have some districts that are following um, protocols that are put in place and others that are not. You have some districts that really um, value the paraprofessional and the paraprofessionals have been working wonderfully with teachers and with students and just going above and beyond. I have so many great stories just on that, Larry. And then you have other districts that are just like, well, no, they can stay home or they can do this training at home or you know what, they can collect. And a lot of them are losing their health insurance because they're falling under the threshold of 30 hours. And it's heartbreaking. You know, it's heartbreaking one because we don't know everything about this virus, we really don't. And uh, our members are out there and they're there for the students and they're there for their families. And when they're not being compensated for that or recognized for it, it's horrific and it's just terrible. And it's really difficult to tell somebody in one town who grocery shops in the other town and sees our other members getting treated well, that they're not being treated well. So it makes everything more difficult. Yeah, so uh, Dan and Stacy, um, when the pandemic started, schools were closed. Now that schools have been reopened, you know, you are working in the schools. Um, tell us about your experiences of what you're seeing. Um, Dan, you can go first. Uh, the first thing you notice is, is when the, you know, the kids come back. I mean, we prepare for the kids. We put um, desks and chairs, you spread them out, you know, um, six, eight feet apart. You've got shields up that we installed during the summer. Um, you know, and, and of course, um, uh, you're spraying everything all the time, every, you know, doorknobs and stuff all day long. And then the kids come back and, uh, it's heart wrenching. It's heart wrenching because, you know, you got these little kids coming in with their masks and they're being told this or that. Um, 
and it's tough on the, and you see the strain on the, on the staff. You see, you know, um, they're trying to keep the kids separated. Um, and we're going at it hard, trying to keep everything clean all the time. And like I said, you're just constantly cleaning. Um, bathrooms, you have to hit them. You know, whenever you're going by a bathroom, hit the bathroom again, hit the bathroom again, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, you've heard, we've all heard the term invisible enemy, and it's very true. And it doesn't sleep, it's always there. So, um, you know, you, you, you're, you're really upping your game as far as keeping everything clean all the time because you just don't know. You don't know if that thing gets in there. And uh, like I said, you see the little kids, especially first, second graders, and it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. You know, as a parent, it's, oh, my gosh, you know, uh, this, is, this is life in a science fiction movie is what it is. And, you know, you keep waiting for the director to say cut, but it doesn't happen. So you just keep going day by day, you know, day, I think one day at a time. So. Stacy, what has all your experience been like? So it's been a very different experience for us all. Um, we represent different schools. We represent magnet schools. Uh, we represent pupil services. Um, and so it's been very hard for us because like Trisha stated earlier, um, that all of the 13 principles have not been followed um, in the districts. And so it's hard for us. For me, for example, in my classroom, I work with children who do not wear masks. I work with children who are unable to keep the mask on. Um, and it has been okayed through the district that the children are able to come back uh, because of their disabilities. Of course, um, they can't wear the mask. So we have to be um, wearing our mask and our face shield. Um, at times, it's, it's very hard to breathe. But, you know, we're in a classroom that's not very big. And we have maybe anywhere from... 15 to 16 people in this classroom where we can't socially distance um, six feet apart with the children because many are one-to-one. -one, so it's very hard. So it's hard for you to provide um, adequate safety for yourself and the students when they're not wearing a mask. It's very hard. Um, we've also had uh, situations so far where we've had our schools have um, people who tested positive for COVID and we weren't notified. Uh, we were notified through the media. That's how we found out. Um, and it's very unfair to the staff that work with the kids on a daily basis because a lot of times we are the ones to come in contact with the children first. Um, we get them off the bus. We bring them into the classrooms. We're working with them closer. Um, and many of the staff are scared. They fear every day um, to go to work. But they love the children. They love what they do. Um, and it's very hard. Cleaning, um, they are doing some cleaning. Um, we are, like Dave, Dan said, um, you know, cleaning the classrooms. It's, it's our job during the day um, to make sure that the chairs and the tables are sprayed down um, and sprayed properly. Um, I know that the staff restrooms are cleaned twice a day. Um, many people are very nervous. Some people don't even use the, the restroom while they're at work because they're scared. So we've faced a lot of challenges. Um, we continue the fight every day. Um, my members' safety is my number one concern um, because that's what I, I'm here to do, is to advocate for my members as well as the children. So it's been a long journey, and it's not over yet. Yeah, I, I can't imagine what uh, folks like you and Dan are, are going through. And 
we are talking about school reopening issues and health and safety in the age of COVID, which seems like it's not going away anytime soon. Here on Council for Unplugged, our guests are Council for Staff Rep Tricia Santos, Stacy Birdsong, who is the president of AFSME Local 3194, and Dan McGinley from Local 13387. Uh, Trisha, I wanted to throw it back to you uh, again, because you are dealing with uh, uh, this coalition. You are serving on this coalition of unions as well as uh, uh, a liaison to uh, the Department of Education and, and other organizations. Child advocacy groups are saying that rather than take a generalized approach to letting all students return to reopening classrooms, uh, that, you know, why isn't the state prioritizing those with the most needs, such as allowing younger children, uh, English learners, students with disabilities, or students who need specialized support services, um, support service access for in-person learning, you know, rather than everyone at one time. Um, what do you think about this and what are the gaps you're seeing for students with special needs? Well, Larry, just so you know, um, if a child has an IEP, the IEP students with special needs are um, allowed to go to school four to five days. They, um, per the governor's order, that IEP still have to be met. So that is extremely important. Um, unfortunately, the, with having preschoolers, you they're not required to wear a mask. So it makes it a little harder. And if you ever had to work with a three-year-old, trying to get them to sit still, never mind, stay away from their buddy who's sitting, you know, on top of them. So that has been um, a little bit more um, laxed when it comes to the preschool. But as far as districts opening, um, again, each district, the governor has really put everything, the burden on top of all of the superintendents. Um, he gives a lot of his quote recommendations, but it's, it's a recommendation. Everything is falling on top of superintendents who don't all have the same budgets. Um, you know, one town has a great budget. Another town doesn't have a great budget. So it's really hard for these superintendents to try to do, you know, these recommendations if they're not getting the support from the governor. You bring up a good point, um, Trisha, about the different budgets um, from comparing different school districts. And, you know, before COVID, there has always been inequities in schools. We have schools that, um, you know, and that are in towns that are very low income. And then we have other really wealthy towns with school districts that have a lot of money. Um, so, Stacy, can you speak more about these inequities and like how has COVID-19 exacerbated them? So uh, um, just to piggyback off of what Trisha said, um, I, I think that some of the towns don't have adequate PPE. Some of the schools, just because they're in different zip codes, um, their budget does not allow them um, to be able to get everything that they need, um, such as ventilation upgrades. Um, you know, some of the zip codes were able to upgrade and some of them were not able to upgrade um, the ventilation. Um, some students in different zip codes were able to get laptops where other ones wasn't able to get laptops. Um, it's been a lot uh, happening with those um, different 
locations in different areas. Um, some schools are able to social distance more than others. Um, it's just been a lot, but everyone in every zip code needs to be treated the same way regardless. We all need to be safe. We all want to survive. We all want to make it to 2021. But unfortunately, in certain zip codes, um, that's not happening. I happened to read um, that a seven-year-old started school um, and she started school seven days ago, caught COVID, and she's passed away. She hasn't even been in school a whole entire month. But these are the things that are happening during this time, during this era. It's very sad. And what's even more sadder, there's parents who have no choice but to send their children to school because they do not have any other options. They have to send their child to school because they have to work. Single mothers, it's very hard for them to be able to stay home and work with their children. It's a very difficult decision to have to make. And you know what? I respect every single parent that had to make this hard decision. And I really pray that their children make it safely to the next grade. And just to piggyback too off of what Stacy said about um, districts and funding. Now the governor did send money the last couple of weeks for PPE and staffing and that the superintendents had to put in for from last year, what it costs for them to have the staffing um, working remotely um, when he closed down the schools in March. So we run into even some of the smaller districts that receive that money. They're not using that money for the PPE or for the staffing and they're laying off our people. So if there's no accountability for the money that's being distributed, we're still, we're never going to get anywhere. So we really need the governor to really put his foot down and say, this money was given for this reason, and it needs to be used for this reason. You know, Dan, I wanted to ask you, I, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that all of our unions together are advocating for the kids and for our members um, like you and Stacy who work in the school systems. Can you tell me in your own words what it means to you right now, working in the middle of this crisis, in the middle of this pandemic, the importance of having a union and what the union means to you? Yeah, I mean, uh, we've discussed it among ourselves, the membership. Um, you know, what, what would happen if we didn't have a union? And we've all been to the table uh, when it comes to, to time to bargain with the Board of Education and so forth. Um, and I can't, I can't imagine, I mean, when, when I look in, at ads for custodians, you know, help wanted custodians, and I see the wages that are offered and so forth, um, and, and it's unbelievable. Uh, I mean, minimum or close to minimum for what we do, um, and that's where we would be at. And thankfully, we make above that, um, and, and, and I have to say, it's probably because I know it's because of the union. Without the union, I don't know what our wage would be, but would it, it'd probably be nowhere near what we make right now. And, um, and like I said, we've gone up against the Board of Ed, and uh, they come at you hard. You know, they're trying to save nickels and dimes. And, I mean, we had an incident where uh, they went back 17 years, and they saw that we never, ever had a raise in differential pay. So I'm an off-shift worker. I work at night. We were making, I believe, 30 cents more than the daytime guys, and that had never been changed. Uh, it, I know it went beyond 17 years. 
um, and they didn't want to raise it. And their reason was, well, you guys don't work as hard as the first shift, which we knew was totally untrue. Um, we each have a section. We have to get it done, and we're often shorthanded. So we, we are taking on a lot at night. Um, but getting beyond that, um, the reason you have a differential is because it's a different shift, a night shift. And the impact on you is across the board, 40%. 40% alcoholism goes up, 40% divorce, 40% uh, sleep deprivation, which we've all suffered. Um, it goes on and on and on. And this fight was brutal. And the union was able to get us a little bump in that. You know, um, We were going to arbitration. Uh, that's how far it went. They were so dug in, you know, and, and they gave us a nickel and then a dime raise on the differential. <laughs> you know, we're still going to go to that fight. But without the union to fight for you, you don't have a chance. You know, they, they, they don't consider things like that. They don't care. Um, and like, you know, like Tricia was saying, they're all different. They're all different. And they all have different attitudes and different philosophies about how they treat their people. And I think it's great that the union's there to make sure that it's somewhat of an even playing field, you know, that you have this access to lawyers and this, this whole team that is behind you, you know, and it helps your attitude. It helps you work harder at night. It helps everything. It makes you, you know, proud and say, Hey, you know, I got someone that's, that's got my back. <laughs> I wanted to thank everybody for being on with us. Um, this is a very important discussion and, and you're all very passionate and we appreciate all the work that you're doing. Um, for your for your for the students for the families and for for the members so thank you we do have a call of act to action so um please go to our website councilford.org where you can sign the petition and add your name um, this petition is signing off to uh the core principles regarding school safety and it will be sent to governor lamont and the education uh, commissioner uh, cardona to demand that local and regional school districts adhere to these core principles um, so we want to thank you for joining us today. Yes, this was a, a powerful show. I want to thank everyone. Uh, our guests have been Stacy Birdsong, who is the Secretary of Council 4, as well as President of her local AFSME Local 3194, Dan McGinley from AFSME Local 130387, Tricia Santos, who is, of course, a staff rep. Uh, staff representative here at Council 4, um, our amazing IT coordinator, Johnny Daly, uh, my amazing colleague, Renee Hamill. Uh, this, this, uh, the struggle around uh, safe schools is not going away anytime soon, so we'll be, I'm sure we'll be revisiting this, but uh, I want to thank everyone for listening, and you have been unplugged. See you soon. As always, thanks for listening to our Council 4 Unplugged podcast. You can find us on all major social platforms by searching for Council 4 AFSME. Our website is council4.org. My name's Larry Dorman, and you've been unplugged.